0: HR Trends is a weekly podcast featuring interviews with leading experts in the field of human resources. Produced by Unum, HR Trends draws from the deep bench of subject matter experts at Unum, as well as industry partners and national HR thought leaders. This program is not intended to constitute legal advice, and it's for general educational purposes only. If you need legal advice on a particular situation, please contact your own attorney.
1: Welcome to HR Trends. I am your host, Claire Morin, and today we have two mental health experts for part two of our exploration into some best practices of supporting well-being during this pandemic, and frankly, for the rest of our lives. (laughs) So we have in our virtual studio, Dr. Kristen Lee, also known as Dr. Chris. She's an award-winning behavioral science professor. She's the lead faculty for behavioral science at Northeastern University in Boston. She's also the author of a few books, most recently, Mentaligence, A New Psychology of thinking. Learn what it takes to be more agile, mindful, and connected in today's world. We also have Laurie Mitchell, who is our Assistant Vice President of Global Wellbeing and Health Management at Unum. So welcome back, Chris and Laurie. Thank you, Claire. Claire. (laughs) So today with part two, we're looking at last week, we, in our episode, we looked at sort of individual well being. Today, we're looking at then the organizational well being best practices. This is Mental Health Awareness Month. It, Frank, it, and it's certainly, I think, at the time for everybody's experience where we're realizing we're in for the long haul here, right? There, there is no new, there is no old normal. <laughs> Um, Everything's changing and we're needing to learn some good practices to get us through this. And last week, we talked about that on an individual level. So looking then at the organizational level, um, maybe starting with you, uh, Chris, any thoughts on how to how HR organizations, teams can be really helping to address this real, again, pandemic around mental health?
0: Absolutely. One of my favorite framings, Claire, is um, it came out of the World Health Organization, and they said there's no health without mental health. Mm -hmm. And I also would assert that there's no organizational health without the well-being of employees, that there's no success without mental health, that it really has to be a priority. And I think before the pandemic, we were really seeing a lot of global indicators that were very dire. Uh, For example, they were saying that lifestyle illness, stress-related illness with surpassing communicable disease. We were seeing um, burnout being reclassified as a workplace condition and an occupational risk rather than a health condition. Mm-hmm. And so ultimately organizations can really take, you know, the strides and the leadership to create a culture of well-being, to create what I would call a culture of help seeking and help giving. You know, the, the safety of being able to ask for help and knowing that those resources are there and that a person is cared for in totality. They're not just there to kind of produce or be a commodity, but they're really there um, because they matter as a person and their contributions are valuable. And it, in that, when we prioritize well being and health, we really, um, it's not just the moral imperative or the right thing to do or a touchy feely kind of endeavor it actually really drives our bottom line outcomes. It really helps reduce presenteeism and absenteeism and help an organization really generate the kind of momentum and creativity and innovation that's needed in today's
2: complex world.
1: That's so well said. Laurie, do you have anything to add to that?
2: Um, Yes, and it's kind of a a question for Chris from one of our earlier conversations um, that we had. And it struck me because I, I I think that it's it's a truth, but I hadn't really thought about it. And that things like resilience happen in in community. Um, they're not just a an individual endeavor. Although there may be things that we do on an individual level to um, improve our resilience and fill our tank and and set us up to um, be uh, healthy and productive in our in our personal and and professional lives, but can you elaborate on that concept of resilience happening in community and, and what that looks like?
0: Absolutely, Lori. So it's the way we could think about it together is how do we move from the me to the we? And in my research, I've looked a lot at high performers, leaders, and you know what is it that, that we need to do to be more effective? And I think the first thing is realizing that a lot of times resilience gets narrowly defined or romanticized as kind of like something you're born with or you're not, or an individual tree, or I'm going to suck it up. I'm going to bite my lip. I'm going to never let anyone see me sweat. But what research is really showing is that resilience um, happens again in community when we feel safe to kind of be able to share all the sides of our narrative. So like, yes, on one hand, for example, I have this high position, But the the backstory behind that is I was throwing up in the bathroom before the interview. (laughs) Or you know like, and I think in our professional world, we see each other, we see each other show up kind of airbrushed and polished with our pearl earrings or our neckties. And we don't know really that behind the scenes someone can really be suffering. And what we know from the data is that most of us are suffering. The way we now understand mental health conditions is more that it's part of the human condition and that we're much more likely to vacillate in and out of both depressive and, and you know anxiety episodes across our lifespan that's the nature of our brains it's not a moral failing it's not you know just some kind of flaw or stigmatized thing it's just something that we can assume as part of our human existence and so therefore when we create the spaces where we can be honest about the intense conditions today the risks of today if you will And then we make sure that we have access to the resources, the protective factors that help edify and protect us. That's what helps bring us
1: forward. That's so fascinating and true. (laughs) In terms of how HR can help. Do you you think there's a bit of a disconnect? I wanted to bring up a statistic actually from our Strong Minds at Work report, which came out last year. And we just published actually an earlier in May, an update to that report. Um, One statistic really jumped out at me, which is EAPs, employee assistant programs. Uh, And as research showed that um, when we asked employers what mental health resources are available at your company we gave a few options eaps you know 93% of the employers we we surveyed had said they had eaps but then when we surveyed the employees only 38% realized there were eaps in the workplace so there's this huge disconnect right of yes employers saying we have this service but then employees not realizing it was there at all so is that something you both see maybe Laurie starting with you and then and then with Chris
2: yeah you know I think it's one of the great dilemmas of of um HR departments benefits uh departments people in um who might have a role like mine is that you can have all these wonderful resources um but creating the awareness that they exist and then um, having employees engage in those resources is the most challenging thing. You can have best in class programs, but if no Mm -hmm. one knows about them and if no one is accessing them, then they're going to be of little help to anyone. So I do think it is one of, uh, It's a priority for employers to make sure that their employees are aware that these resources exist, particularly EAPs, um, because they do offer a a whole host of of resources. The counseling piece, for sure, um, and that that can be done either in person or through virtual visits, but also concierge services, and and those are the, the services that can direct people to other resources that they may need to balance their their um, personal and professional lives. So it could be resources for elder care, resources for child care, referral to um uh legal services or financial services. So they really do um can be quite helpful, but they're often a just-in-time resource as well. So they might not be front of mind at that moment when an employee needs it. So it is incumbent upon the employer to make sure that they are regularly promoting those mm-hmm. uh the employee assistance programs.
0: Laura, I just like how you how you just framed that. And I think it's it's so vital because. Uh, that underutilization piece is something I see in my consulting world as I work with companies and leaders. It's sort of the dilemma, like we thought if we build it, they will come kind of mindset and it doesn't always happen. And I think at the root of that is the historic stigmatization of mental health issues and -hmm. the fear that someone experiences. I think the biggest lie that anxiety can tell us is we're the only ones and we have to hide out. And Ultimately, you know, that can really the other thing is the American Psychological Association says that most of us when we're under tremendous stress, don't realize how stressed we are until we physically get sick. So we sort of had this historic deficit framing of mental health conditions, coupled with the fact that we haven't thought about it from a prevention lens. And what we know in any kind of discipline is that prevention is always less costly than repair. Right. And for me, I think in, in the work and the space um, spaces that I occupy, I know when I first took on my lead faculty role at Northeastern, for example, the first call I made, I think, was to EAP to get a therapist lined up for myself because, you know, I know how my brain works. It doesn't shut off. I overanalyze everything. I'm really hard on myself. You know, I call myself a recovering perfectionist. So it's just <laughs> that whole thing of I know the kind of pressure that I can sort of put on myself. And I knew that having that support would be helpful. And then, you know, I start to really go public with that and talk more openly about those experiences I've had with a lived condition of depression and anxiety. And I think that's that humanizing piece that we've all been talking about is that, you know, we are all subject to stress within this environment pre COVID. And now more than ever, we need to really think about having people in our corner, people we can trust, confidential spaces, places where we can make use of the many resources that are available today. I mean, one could argue we have more access and more resources than ever before, but sometimes it's a matter of, again, is it safe for me to call? Will this affect my promotion? Is someone going to find me out? Um, But I think at the end of the day, if we can really recognize that so many of us are experiencing these these issues and it's not, again, a feeling or that we're not smart enough or that we're imposters, it's just a matter of the conditions of today and our reactions to those conditions and our need to really anchor ourselves thoughtfully with the
1: kinds of resources that are known to protect us. That's so wonderful and it, it brings back to mind that idea earlier where of that idea that um, Resilience being in community, right? And and you're, what you're saying, Chris, of the importance actually of role modeling, right? At maybe at higher levels of leadership too, of saying, yeah, I, I, you know, I've dealt with this, and and this is how I've done it. And uh, I know at Unum we have a wonderful culture of, of encouraging this, Laurie, with employees sharing their stories. Um, and and I could see the. How much education that alone would do rather than, I don't know, the intranet and some, you know, sort of impersonal update somewhere. Yeah, I think those
2: employee stories have actually um, been very cathartic um, for, for people to, to, and, you know, there's a certain amount of, of courage that it takes to, I think, share those stories, but there's a greater willingness. I see a greater and greater willingness, uh, amongst employees to, to share their journeys, uh, around their emotional well being And the other, uh, thing that we've done and we're, it's, you know, it's just, we just began doing this, um, pre COVID and we are, we'll figure out how to do it. And as we, um, return to the workplace, and we think about how we do these types of trainings, but we've uh, trained over 100 employees in mental health first aid so that they can then be uh, resources for their colleagues, and they can say they could come to me or someone else who's been through the training and say, hey, listen, I'm having a really tough time. Um, I don't know what to do. I don't know where to go. Can you help me figure this out? Um, so they're not people who are, are, are diagnosing or treating um, mental health conditions but they're helping their their colleagues that maybe even family members get to the right resources sooner and and now um, Nami is actually the National Alliance on Mental Illness is starting to offer these mental health First aid trainings virtually. So um, we anticipate that that we'll continue to train employees uh, at Unum, um, but in rather than the thirty people in the classroom, we'll have thirty people going through a virtual training. So we're looking forward to continuing that and providing that level of support for the for the workforce.
1: That's so good. And I did want us to finish actually with some resources. So so thank you for mentioning that. We will link to that on our show description. Um, uh, Kristen, we've also got um, a link to your, you have some online courses happening in in May and and also, you know, your book. We've got a wonderful sort of um, connection for people to be able to access those resources via our website. Um, Are there any other resources you, you would both leave us with perhaps to help employers with this?
0: I love that uh, Lori just brought up NAMI. They're an excellent resource. I'm glad that everyone will have the link to that. Active Minds is also one that's done a lot of work on college campuses, but is increasingly moving into the corporate and HR space. And then I also uh, love Thrive Global. Thrive Global was founded by Ariana Huffington. Uh, she has a, a tremendous wealth of resources there. And then um, I also have a column I write called Rethink Your Way to the Good Life on Psychology Today. With a lot of tips on both uh, individual and organizational resilience and well being.
1: Wonderful. Well, thank you both so much. I know I'm taking away quite a few learnings. <laughs> you might notice me more calm in coming episodes. Uh, and, and stay well <laughs> and be sure we're going to be bringing you back in the future. Thanks so much. Take good care. Thanks so much. Unum is a registered trademark and marketing brand of Unum Group and its insuring subsidiaries.